0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: It would be early. I could see it, though. Carlin vs. Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. I do wonder sometimes what kind of a shelf life I have in terms of other people tolerating me.
2: Oh, okay. Well, how long have you been married? Uh, 16 years. Does that count, though? I I mean, that's where you'd probably start with that conversation in terms of someone tolerating you. She sees all of it. Yeah, but I mean... We get you when you're supposedly at your best. (laughs) That's cute.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I have no question that she married me for the money. There's no doubt. (laughs) The, The massive amount of cash that we are just sitting on here in New Jersey is unbelievable. So I I can't take that all that seriously. And when I'm trying to evaluate that outside people, I I think it's clear to say that if you're going to marry me, that is a special kind of person. And, you know, listen, I think my wife would say, yeah, she doesn't really know what she did. So I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how long you are going to be able to tolerate this.
2: It probably helps that we never actually are in person, right? That's true. That's true. We probably helps. We've done 70 shows together, three of which were in person. Yes. Actually, just two, I think. Yeah. 2,500 miles <laughs> apart. <laughs> That's how it should work. But, but I hear good news. I can't, we can't revol- re- release all the details, but I hear that you and I will be getting together in studio in the month of November. That is happening. Very excited about that. We got to get some dinners on the books. Mm. We got to have some good times. Time will be had.
1: To yeah, I'm looking times forward to had. that. I will. Listen, you know my part. What, what is most important to me for you? That you are just simply...
3: Fat and sassy and spoiled.
1: (laughs) Exactly. There it is. (laughs) And my friend, that week, you will be fat and sassy and spoiled. Nicely done. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. How about Micah Parsons on his podcast chiming in on the Philadelphia Eagles? Here he is talking about what his take on the team is right now in the league. Number one will have to be the Philadelphia Eagles. No one has stopped the tush push yet. Devontae Smith could be A.J. Brown's number one receiver. Jason Kelsey, Hall of Famer. Lane Johnson will be a Hall of Famer. They're very special. Their DB core, Darius Slay, crazy talent. James Bradbury, and I know you saw the trade. He just got Kevin Byard. Very special to see. Obviously, I know I was high on Jalen Carter before he even got the feeling. I don't know how he fell to them. Without a doubt, very special group. It's very special to see what they've done, and they still have Reddick. They still have Sweat. I don't believe they have any weaknesses on their team. So is he setting this up right
2: now, or is he more just telling the truth in this moment. I mean, he's definitely setting something up, but he's not setting up what you think. It's not like he's trying to sandbag the Eagles here. He's setting up a post-media post career, post-NFL career in the media. Like, that's what he's doing. He's great at this. He's great at this. We How many times have we now quoted him from his podcast? He does this every week. He goes out there. He shares his thoughts. His thoughts are unfiltered. And I mean that in a good way. It's not like he's coming out, couching what he's saying, playing the middle, not really giving you an opinion. His belief as a rival of the Philadelphia Eagles is that they're the best team in the NFC. He makes a good case as to why, you know, I I think I I find him to be entertaining. I like the authenticity. This is an industry where if you're not going to be authentic, you have absolutely no shot of getting anywhere, right? Like being authentic might not work, but being inauthentic never works. Right. Depending on, you know, situation there. So, I love this about him. I love that he's a Penn State guy. You know, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I can absolutely see him as an individual where if the Cowboys say are eliminated in the divisional round, I could see him on the desk the next week for the NFC Championship game in a suit, breaking it down. Listen, I could absolutely see that.
1: Absolutely see that. And I'm not going to be surprised if he says something that makes a headline. That's that's not going to... Um, catch me off off guard either and you know it's funny joe i look at them and i hear the comment like that and it makes me really wonder if there's anything that they can genuinely do to actually catch up to the eagles in the division i would still say the 49ers are better despite what happened the other night i i don't know where the cowboys are this season that uh, when you're looking at trying to go out and add to get you better, where you're going to get somebody that ultimately puts you over the top. Now, there is someone that I think helps that. It gets them closer. It doesn't put them over the top. But if the Cowboys, between now and the trade deadline next Tuesday afternoon, go out and get Derrick Henry from the Titans, who Mm -hmm. are clearly open for business, I do think that makes a huge difference – from the standpoint that Mike McCarthy wants to run the football, and Tony Pollard is not the long-term answer in running the football. You, you're not going to be able to get 250 to 300 carries from Tony Pollard this season I, and, and be successful. I think that's asking too much. And if they were to add Derrick Henry, who I still think has something left in the tank, it would. It really changes the dynamic for that offense because you ultimately, truly have to respect it at that point.
2: It, it, it makes them better for sure. It makes them better. We're talking about trying to close the gap on the Eagles. I don't know if there's a realistic move or moves out there that will get you on even footing with them. I think you're trying to overcome too much there. I don't think the quarterback can play to the level of Jalen Hurts in big spots. I don't think the coach can coach to the level of Nick Sirianni in big spots. But if you were to add someone like Derrick Henry, you take some of the pressure off the coach, you take some of the pressure off of the quarterback, and you put your team in a situation where you add some physicality, add some toughness, yeah, I could see it making him better. I don't know if there's anything they can do to put him over the top, though, because again, for me, it's always coming back to the same thing, the coach and the quarterback. The best relationships between coaches and quarterbacks are the ones in which the quarterback can cover up some of the coach's deficiencies, and the coach can cover up some of the quarterback's deficiencies. Maybe the quarterback is an all-world talent, but he's not the greatest when it comes to the two-minute drill. Okay, great. That's where a coach has to understand game management better than anybody else. When to use timeouts, what plays to call, what position to put your guys in. Maybe there's a situation where the coach is really bad at something like that. And you have Peyton Manning out on the field, and it doesn't matter because he understands it better than anyone in the world. You've got to be able to complement each other. And in Dallas, I don't think that's the case. I don't think Dak can cover up for McCarthy, and I don't think McCarthy can cover up for Dak. So if you want to add Derrick Henry, you get better. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about going up against the absolute best in the business and getting past them, and them is plural. It's not just one team. you got to get past the Eagles. you got to get past the Niners. you got to get past whoever represents the AFC in the Super Bowl if you're going to win this thing. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to do enough to cover up for those two guys. And ultimately, you're right back where you started with, with a coach and a quarterback that are good, but not great. There is an approach,
1: though, for the Cowboys that I have yet to understand. And okay. it comes naturally from Jerry Jones. Here he is on one Oh five, three, the fan on his radio show when discussing the potential of making a deal.
3: Uh, it'll have to come our way. I don't want to preclude it in any way, uh, but, uh, but it always does. Uh, but you uh, have uh, a lot of machinations that you're working with every day, I do. And, uh, but uh, the initiation of an opportunity to make a trade at this time that would help us principally has to start over on the other end okay. and uh so that's not uh, being showing a lack of aggressiveness it's just that's where it starts i like where we are with our personnel today and so i'm not uh, thinking in any way that we need to uh, upgrade our roster
1: what, what are we talking about here jerry are you blind i mean you got your tails kicked a few weeks ago by the 49ers You've lost on the road to the Arizona Cardinals, which, by the way, they're only win. their only win. Only one. And now you are saying, well, they got to come to us to make a deal. Are you trying to create some sort of leverage that doesn't exist? Like winning teams don't say, you know what? You can call us on that. Not in this instance when there are weaknesses in this team that clearly have to be addressed, Joe.
2: Well, why would you want to take options off the table? That's what I don't understand. When I worked in San Francisco, we used to have Brian Sabian, the former general manager of the San Francisco Giants, on our show. And right around the trade deadline time, I remember asking a question about, you know, are there any players that are untouchable? Assuming Buster Posey was untouchable, maybe Madison Bumgarner. He said no. And now, naturally, as a, as a radio guy, you're thinking, oh, my God, no one's untouchable. Could they trade Posey? But before you could even utter it, he comes out and he says, look, why would we limit our options? That's not to say we're going to move any of these guys. It's not to say we would move a star. But to say a guy's untouchable, why would we take an option off the table? That always stuck with me. You want more options, right? In life, you want more options, more options of where to live, more options of what careers to pursue, more options of what schools to go to, more options on the menu for what you can eat at night, right? You don't want less. Nobody wants fewer options, and that's what Jerry's doing. If everyone has to come to him, he's taking opportunity off the table. That's not where you want to be. You think Howie Roseman just sits around waiting for people to call him to make him franchise altering moves like Tennessee called up and said you know what we'll give you Kevin Byard we know you have a problem in the secondary why don't you take Byard off our hands we don't really care what you send back is that what he thinks is going to happen because if he does the phone's not going to ring and Dallas is going to be stuck in that middling position where they think they're good enough but ultimately it turns out they're not Um, Howie's aggressiveness is what has shaped that Eagle roster it's not Tennessee calling up offering Byard for nothing right you got to get out there. you got to make strong moves. I think ultimately here, like, it, does Jerry actually think, too,
1: in that discussion, that somebody is anxious to help him? Somebody is han- anxious to help the Cowboys regain their greatness? No.
2: Yeah. No. Like, I mean, I, I, Do you think the Bears wake up at night saying, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a, what, a, what a nightmare. I dreamt that we didn't do everything we could to help Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. No one, no one is thinking like that. No one, no one on earth is thinking like that. Like I love the, the big hat, uh, you know, Texas is best sort of approach here. But come on, man, like pick up the phone, see what people are willing to do. Like you got to do some of the work for them. If you want to improve this roster and if you're just going to sit back, that's fine. I don't think Cowboys fans are going to be too fine with you sitting back when they watch Harry Roseman go out there and make moves left and right. Like, again, like, create the opportunity for yourself. The fact that you're taking all of it off that we're not calling anybody. Okay, great. That's a a lot of options that are definitely off the table now. Definitely off the table.
1: Carlin versus Joe presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Speaking of Texas. A big time debut tonight that we cannot wait for. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM channel eighty.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com.
2: Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're just weeks into this year and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court, it can feel impossible to keep up with but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So, kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News. Because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Carlin
0: versus Joe. Pizza money alert.
2: Pizza, pizza! One in one yesterday up... 0.4 units because we played two plus money props in the NBA. We'll give you the full overall record when I get back to Vegas tomorrow. Forgot the damn notepad. Uh, neither here nor there. Gave you the Minnesota Timberwolves minus one over the Raptors earlier. Hey, it's the debut of Victor Wembanyama tonight, so we're going to go with a Wemby prop for you. Not where many of you probably think I'm going, but I'm going to play over one and a half turnovers. It's minus 170, but we're going over one and a half turnovers. Now, go back to his NBA preseason. He was playing about 21 minutes a night in the preseason. He was averaging almost three turnovers per game. He's not playing 21 minutes tonight. He's playing more. You can bet on that. Barring injury, of course. And I don't want to bet on that. I hope he's going to be healthy and fine and exciting. But that's neither here nor there at the moment. He's going to play more than 21 minutes tonight. And if his average turnover in the preseason is about 3 in 21 minutes, I think we have a good chance of getting 2 in 30 minutes. So Pizza Money number 2, Victor Wembanyama over. 1.5 turnovers tonight at minus 170.
1: Mm, Very interesting. And so we have Wemby Watch, Joseph. We have Victor Webanyama Watch. Wemby Watch right here on ESPN Radio, on Sirius XM Channel 80. And there are a couple of other things that we're going to keep an eye on. We're going to give you Wemby Watch every week. Get a true feel for what's going on with Victor Webanyama. And Joe, I want to just start here with a couple of props futures for the season. Webanyama, Rookie of the Year. -150 and then defensive player of the year he is 12 to 1. Just if people were curious, which is not going to happen, MVP 60 to 1. Now there's one thing to point out here with all these numbers. It is not just MVP, it is all of the awards across the league where you now have to play 65 games to qualify for any of those awards. So Joseph, your take First on those numbers, and secondly, Wembenyama's likelihood to really be in the mix for that based on playing time.
2: Rookie of the year at minus 150 is a pass. I love this kid. I am so excited to watch this kid, and I think he's going to put up huge numbers. But the 65-game threshold is what worries me, and I think it should worry a lot of people. That's a lot of games. This is supposedly a generational talent, and he is freakishly tall. Guys of this size, we've seen injury histories in the past. Just because it has happened doesn't mean it will happen. I understand that. But Chet Holmgren had that Liz Frank situation last year. He missed the entire season. So if you're the Spurs, and let's be honest, the Spurs aren't anywhere near competing at this point, do you really want to try to get this guy out there 70, 75 games this year? You want him to learn how to be a pro, continue to grow into his body, continue to learn the game, get smart under Popovich, work with his teammates. I just I can't lay minus one fifty with the sixty five game threshold, but Joe Fornball, of course comes bearing alternatives. He doesn't just poo poo on something. No, of he course gives you not. alternatives. And I would say Brandon Miller at twenty five to one with the Charlotte Hornets, that one's tasty there, Carlin. Mm. That one's tasty. Mm. Brandon He's Miller. gonna. He should play a lot of games. Charlotte is lousy. He's playing alongside. Uh, what is it, Lamelo Ball? Uh-huh. He's got an opportunity there where he can put up some good numbers, play a lot of games, get a lot of minutes. Twenty-five to one looks. It looks tasty, as I said.
1: Uh, when you look at Defensive Player of the Year, mm. how seriously would you take that? I mean, I, aside from the uh, the games num- the, 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 the sixty-five games, thing. sure. How okay, so seriously let's assume would you he, take it just from a
2: potential of a rookie like him winning that award? Okay. So let's assume he does cross the threshold. Cause if he does, he's probably winning rookie of the year then. And that's the bet you should end up making. Cause if he's going to play that many games, the talent is there. I hadn't considered this at all until this morning when big perk said it. Kendrick Perkins was the one who threw this out there. If he's going to say something like that and he does understand gambling. Now I'm going to pay attention. 12 to one is very interesting. He's very good on that end of the court. Um, I think if, again, you feel he's going to play this many games, he's going to put up numbers. So I was very intrigued by, by him saying that. And while I haven't made the bet yet... I am certainly pondering it at the current moment. In case you missed it, this was perk on this topic.
1: It has never been a real... I love this one. Oh,
2: I love this one. To I mean, love this
0: one. win defensive player of the wow. year.
1: But it's going to be one this season, and his name
0: is Victor Wimbayamba. Yes, we know his arms are so long that he actually could clip his toenails while standing up. But guess what? Oh. No one can anchor a defense like Victor can. And he's going to make an impact for the Spurs,
1: and he's going to make an impact First of all, I've never thought of somebody being that tall that they would actually clip their toenails while standing up and just bending over.
2: Have you seen his flexibility? Oh, yeah. He can do splits. He he. It is very – it's almost uncomfortable watching how flexible he is.
1: I agree. I agree. It is a little bit uncomfortable. Unnerving. Unnerving would be a word that I would use. But having said that, Joe, the 65-game thing is really interesting to me because when – you have a rookie like Wembanyama. One of the first things that you have to look at is what does his shoe deal look like? Oh. What I mean is he's got a deal with Nike. Somewhere in there, I am sure, there is a bonus for winning rookie of the year. How big of a bonus is that? Let me give you an example. When Ben Simmons came into the league and was, was the number one overall pick... With the Sixers, he had his shoe deal that included a $5 million bonus if he won rookie of the year. Now, you'll remember prior to the season in at the beginning of training camp, he hurt his foot and he was going to miss half to three quarters of the season. Well, the Sixers were prepared to be okay with that. When his agents made it clear, his agents, Rich Paul, hey, he's not going to play this year. Because if he only plays 35 games, 25 games, not going to win Rookie of the Year, not going to get that $5 million bonus. And so he sat out the rest of that season when he actually could have played. But they didn't do it because it was the number one overall pick and they wanted to make sure he was happy. I wonder if Wembenyama is at a point this season where the the Spurs would rather that he took a little more time off if there will come to a, a point where there is a little, dispute's not the word, but discussion regarding making it to the 65-game threshold if he is a lock for Rookie of the Year at that point.
2: Do you think uh, Greg Popovich cares about that? And I'm not saying that I don't think gives a damn
1: about it. But Greg Popovich, for his point, should give a damn about it because he just signed a contract for 80 million dollars. And the only reason that he signed that contract to stay was because of this guy. So maybe keeping this guy happy is the whole key here, Greg.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so Popovich now. Okay, he seems like he'll be open to that. He seems like he'll be open to that line of line of thinking. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, I'm not telling him to let Victor Webanyama
1: run the entire show, but if he's on pace to get to 60 games, they're going to find a way to get him to 65.
2: That's going to happen. Yeah, if you're, if you're sitting around that mark and it's like, okay, we're, we're, we, we've gotten to a point in the season where we're right on the threshold and our plan was to rest him for two of the last six, but if he plays, you know, five of the last six, he's got it, then, yeah, they're probably doing it. You'll, you, you know what you do? You try him out there for three, four minutes, and then you mm. just get him off. Yeah. Like late in the season, you do that to make the threshold. I, wait, wait. I think there's actually, I'm sorry. Before I say that, I think there's a criteria in there. I think it's 65 games and you have to play like 20 minutes a night per game. for uh, Average it. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yes. I, we're going to look that up and get back to the audience. I don't want to put bad info out there, but I, just as I was saying that, I realized the NBA had guarded themselves against that, against the idea of trotting guys out for like 30 seconds to get credit for the game. There is a minutes threshold in there as well. I don't know if it's the average or if every single start has to involve that many minutes. Like if you play 30 one night and 10 the next night, yes, that averages to 20, but I don't know if that's acceptable. I don't know if it's like the game only counts if you play 20. Twenty minutes in it. There's something there that I was missing. Journalism. Great radio segment, by the way. Me, me shotgunning all these things that are in play, but we don't actually know. Right. Journalism, thy name is Fortinbaugh. <laughs> Carler versus Look versus Woodward and Bernstein.
1: <laughs> there is more news regarding James Harden. Who better to discuss than his former coach? Doc Rivers joins us next on ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. Jokic flips it over to Porter, corner three, down the well. Michael Porter with a triple, it's raining threes in the fourth quarter in Denver, Nuggets by 14. A successful ring night for the Denver Nuggets, they raise their first championship banner and on opening night, they take down the Los Angeles Lakers, 119 to 107 the final. I think the chemistry and the trust that we have in each other and belief is amazing and uh, hopefully
1: they're going to continue to play like this. It's a doubleheader tonight on ESPN. Celtics-Knicks, 7 p.m. Mike Breen, Doris Burke, Doc Rivers, Lisa Salters is Doc. Returns to the broadcast booth. Then later on, it's Mavs and Spurs, 9.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and Doc Rivers joins us right now. Doc, we appreciate the time. on what I'm sure is a, a busy day for you uh, getting back into the booth with, uh, with Mike and with Doris. So just give us a, a sense here, first of all, of this game tonight. The new look Celtics, uh, Drew Holiday in, uh, Marcus Smart in, out porzingis in what are you looking for in terms of the celtics gelling as one of the favorites in the eastern conference
3: well they've added a lot of talent guys and, and hello how are you guys doing we're great oh well you thank you, you doc <laughs> <laughs> no they, they've added a lot of talent guys i mean they're uh they're they're and, and the right type of talent you know drew alla is a guy that in my opinion He's a plug-and-play player. Like, it's very few players in the league that can get traded to any team in the league and, fit and make that team better. Uh, Holiday is that. He gives them um, the same defense. Um, I don't know better, but at least equal as Marcus Smart. And then he gives him a, a more reliant shooter uh, from the outside. And he's just solid, you know. Um, and then Porzingis gives him another shooter. Um, when you put him at the five, you know, teams are going to have a struggle. Uh, their fives are used to being around the basket. He's going to stretch the floor out more. Uh, and an open floor for, for Brown and Tatum makes them better. You know, the biggest question I have with them um, is not really it's two. One is leadership, you know, uh, and Drew's solid and so is Brazilians. But Marcus Smart was their verbal leader. And when things do go wrong and every year things go wrong, Who's gonna have? Uh, who's gonna be the voice? Who's gonna say it? Uh, they don't have that in their locker room anymore. And then the, the second thing is, you know, Porzingis is gonna take more shots. Uh, you know, Holiday will take more shots. That means guys are gonna have to make sacrifices if they want to win. Uh, everyone's not gonna get the same amount of shots as they got last year, and and that'll be interesting. It'll. My guess it'll work, but it's gonna take a minute.
2: Last night, we saw the opening of the season. Defending champs raised the banner. They win by double digits against the Los Angeles Lakers. So Denver picking up right where they left off. Interesting development with the Lakers. LeBron on a minutes restriction, playing about 29 per night. Do you think he's going to be okay with that throughout the course of the season? Is that going to work for the Lakers?
3: Um, From being a coach uh, that have been fired, uh, I would say no. I mean, I just think... uh, (laughs) I, I think minute restrictions are very difficult uh, for a season. Uh, I will say that. And the more competitive the guy, the harder they're, they're, they're it, it is to do. You know, um, I think it's going to be really tough um, for LeBron to to handle that now. Do so I think it's probably a good thing for him? I don't know. But at his age, you got to figure less minutes, make some pressure, um you know when the playoff starts, so and LeBron does the one thing you love about LeBron, he does he doesn't miss games. You know he has over the last couple of years, but before that he hasn't. So now that's hard, man. That it's hard, it's hard to do. Doc Rivers joining
1: us, Doc. When you look at that with with the Lakers, can you approach this like just get us into the postseason? Regular season doesn't matter as long as we're in the play-in. Considering what just happened with them last year, or is that? playing a very dangerous game out west
3: yeah that's too dangerous uh and you don't want to be in a play-in i can tell you i've never been in one but i've watched them just like you i wouldn't want to be in one of those anything can happen sprain ankle um anything and then you're out so no thank you to the playoff game uh playing game would be my guess from them um you know the west is so good this year it's just you can't have the attitude, let's just get in. You have to get in, and then you have to get the right seat, would be my opinion.
2: You know, in the Western Conference, they might not be contending for a championship this year, but a big story in San Antonio, number one overall pick, Victor Wembanyama has a lot of people excited about what the future of the franchise holds. New rules this year when it comes to awards and all NBA teams, you've got to play a minimum of 65 games, and you've got to play 20 minutes per game in those 65 games. Kind of a two-part question here. Do you see that happening for Wembenyama this year? And if it's close, do you think the organization is going to try to do what they need to do to get him over that, over those uh, criteria so that he could cash in on some of that stuff?
3: I can tell you organizations really don't think that much about, you know, uh, the awards until it's late, you know, so maybe late. But uh, I don't think this whole minute thing and, games played with him, I get the concern. You look at his body, and you look at his size. Uh, but I'm looking at his ability and the way he's playing. You know, for the most part, coaches look at that. And if he can handle it, he may play 80 games. You know, We don't know. Um, so I think we have to wait and see. You'll know within the first month how they plan on playing him. Uh, it'll be clear. Uh, if, if I'm predicting, I think it neither one of those things Definitely way over twenty minutes. I think he'll be in the thirties, low thirties uh, as a player. Uh, and they're always earned, right? Minutes are always earned, and not just give, uh He will earn all those minutes, and he'll get them. Uh, the question is, how many games will he play? You know, if he's not injured from, if it's just a resting all year, he'll play well over sixty-four games. Uh, but if it's injury, it's injuries, and nothing you can do about it.
1: Doc Rivers, ESPN NBA analyst, he's on celtics Knicks tonight with Mike Breen, Doris Burke, and Lisa Salters at seven o'clock. First of a doubleheader, Mavs-Spurs later on. Doc James Harden, um, I, the word James Harden is you know uh, basically synonymous with drama, and it kind of continues here with the Sixers at the moment. He's reporting to the team, but they're keeping him back in at the facility for the first couple of games of the year. Doc, what you know this better than anybody, and in some ways, I would probably. say, unfortunately, you do. What would you expect to play out here with Harden and Daryl Morey and the team?
3: Listen, uh, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I am happy I'm talking to you about this instead of being there talking about it in in that regard, I would say. Um, You know, it's a tough one. You know, uh, James believes that he was told that they were going to give him a max deal. Uh, They didn't. And I don't think that that's going to change, you know. And so they're going to have to deal with it. And, you know, listen, you hope at some point, you just hope that there's a trade, even if it's not the Clippers anywhere. It just seems like right now for Harden and the tough part for Philadelphia is there's not a lot of teams calling. And so there's not, you know, when you know that, and you know, the Clippers, you know you don't have to put on the table what, what probably the Sixers want. And that's a problem, and that's what's going to hold this whole thing up.
2: With Nick Nurse stepping in as the head coach, he's got to manage that situation. How how difficult is it going to be? With not only that, but you know, there's now a lot of speculation about Joel Embiid and whether or not he's going to want out sometime soon.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't think Nick is worried about the second part. That may happen, uh, but if it does happen, I don't think it'll happen this season. Um, you know, uh, but I think. Nick's going to do the same thing I did with the Ben Simmons situation. Unfortunately, Philly is getting very good at this, you know. Uh, and the players, Joel and, and Tobias, Tariq, they have all—they've all, lived this before, you know. And, and so for them, they're just going to—is what I did. I just went and did like this is who we have. The guys, you know, who want to be here are the guys who are going to play. And then when the other guy shows up, we'll figure it out. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. And that's the thing I think that's what they almost have to do. What what's
1: the worst way that affects a team, Doc, having gone through this relatively recently? And you know, you could say it, but is it really hard to get them to not pay attention to who's not there when sometimes those are headlines being made?
3: It doesn't affect your team if you're winning. And we were winning still, if you remember that. I mean yep. I think uh, at the time we made the hardened trade and Ben hadn't played, we had the second-best record in the, in the, in the, in the East. Or, so we kept winning. That was big for us. You know, that doesn't mean it doesn't – there were times you can feel it um, where you can see guys were upset by it. They were upset when he came to practice and didn't – But the distractions. And then the biggest thing is talking about it, you know, today – uh, they have a game, right, when they play. So they play tomorrow, they have to talk about it. And instead of talking about themselves, the team, or the team they're playing, after a period of time, you'll hear them start saying, I'm not talking about this anymore. That's that's where it affects them uh, more than on the court right now. Doc,
1: listen, great stuff. We appreciate the insight, and great to have you in the broadcast booth again, too, because you're one of the very best at it. Thanks again.
3: Oh, well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it. Doc Rivers, ESPN NBA analyst, world champion head coach. He is on Celtics-Knicks tonight at 7 with Mike Breen, Doris Burke, Doc, Lisa Salters, Mav Spurs later on at 9.30 Eastern time. Carla versus Joe on ESPN Radio will react to what Doc just had to say. And if you listen to what he had to say... There's a there's an awful lot in there that we'll discuss next on ESPN Radio. This is the
0: Carlin versus Joe podcast
1: on ESPN Radio. Big doubleheader tonight, as we said: Knicks, Celtics, Mavs, Spurs, and Yama. Doc Rivers returning to the broadcast booth and you just heard from him moments ago on ESPN Radio. It's Carlin versus Joe with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Dr. Pepper call in line, 888, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. In case you didn't know, here is Doc with us moments ago on the James Harden situation.
3: Listen, uh, I have no idea. I am happy I'm talking to you about this instead of being there talking about it in in that regard, I would say. You know, it's a tough one. You know, uh, James believes that he was told that they were going to give him a max deal. Uh, They didn't. And I don't think that that's going to change.
1: There is a degree of relief in Doc's voice. You can tell. That he is not dealing with that whole drama. And as he pointed out, Joe, something that you have been talking about, the Sixers are getting awfully good at dealing with all of this drama, or at least awfully familiar with dealing with all of this drama.
2: Take me through the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, NBA seasons, take me through college football, take me through anything where a team wins a championship after a season rife with drama. Right. It, it doesn't happen. It's not a characteristic of winning teams. You can't start a campaign like this and think somehow, some way at the end, you're going to be holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy because you're so good and so talented that you can overcome this against really good teams that have just as much, if not more talent, but aren't dealing with this. This is a major distraction. It's a major problem for Philadelphia. It's something they go through every single year. They haven't found a way to clean this up yet. And ultimately, Doc laying out the fact that, look, he was promised a max deal. They didn't give him the max deal. What did you expect was going to happen when you did that? Like he's out there, James Harden, that is, calling Daryl Morey a liar. That's what it appears to be. How, how do you expect to run an organization when you're lying to your employees about very, very important details. Like if he lied to him about, all right, look, we're going to need you in camp two days before it starts. We got some promotional stuff we want you to do. Then he calls up and says, look, it actually needs to be three days, man. Come on. Okay. It's one extra day. Like that doesn't become a story, but we're talking about a max deal. You're messing with somebody else's money. And when you do that, you're going to have problems. Doesn't matter if you like James Harden, if that's what he was promised and the organization went back on it. That's on the organization.
1: See, but here's the thing. Who do you trust to be telling us the truth in that situation? Do you trust James Harden to be telling us the truth that he was actually promised all that? Or me, I tend to believe he was. Or at least it was a wink and a nod type situation, given his relationship with Daryl Morey, which has always been very good. And if we remember the season earlier, he took a bit of a slice off the top of the paycheck to help the team out to get some other players, and my guess is it probably went something like this. Listen, help us out now, and we'll take care of you later. We'll take care of you next year. It probably, in that wording, could have been uh, two different definitions of what take care of you means, kind of like what we've talked about. Like, Harden took that to mean we'll give you the max contract
2: next year. Maybe Daryl Morey didn't mean it that way okay so let's let's operate under that and i'm willing to go down that road let's mm. let's let's say that that's what happened has harden gotten anything no under any of those definitions did they come through and give him anything did they he, he didn't they get a max offer? deal i think he, they
1: made an offer to him along the way okay but it just what does that look like and clearly it wasn't like anything that he wanted at this point yeah. point. and i mean the fact him- that
2: That Doc came on and said what he said. I mean, I I have a feeling that he was probably privy to both sides of the story. And he seems to think like they told him something and they didn't come through on it.
1: Yeah. Listen, I think that at this point, if you're James Harden, this is your only play. But one other thing that Doc actually said uh, in that interview we just had him on is phone ain't ringing a whole lot. Even if it's not the Clippers, we got to move on from you at some point. Basically said the Sixers got to get him out of there and it didn't matter where, but not a lot of people are calling. And for James, that's where the problem is. You don't have the leverage that you once did because you knew there were a lot of teams that would want you. Now you want to go one place, you're not going to get it, what you want definitively. I I think it really, is it going to turn more into the Dame Lillard situation? Not that he and James are the same player, they're not, but that... He was not going to get what he wanted in the end, so he had to be okay with something else just to get out of there. I think that's what we're looking at here, but I, I don't expect James to handle it with the the dignity and the you know the professionalism that Dame Lillard did in the end.
2: People are going to show you who they are, right? I mean, there's nothing to think that Harden's going to handle this any differently than he's handled anything else. He ran Dwight Howard out of town. He ran Russell Westbrook out of town. He ran Chris Paul out of town. It didn't work in Houston at the end, so he went to Brooklyn. It didn't work in Brooklyn, so he went to Philly. It's not working in Philly. Like, what are we missing here? What are we missing when we assume a new team or a new city is going to be a fresh start and things are going to be better? He is who he is. He's an exceptional talent, but he's not a culture guy. If you're looking to build a culture of winning basketball, of elevating the team above the individual, he is not the guy. And that's his prerogative. He can be who he wants. But if you're looking to win, that's not the guy. It's not. And he's shown that throughout his entire career. This is the
1: other problem. He's not the guy and the, the culture, none of it is what I want anywhere near me. If I'm trying to go win now, like even if I'm the Clippers, so I want him now, Joe. I don't, want him. I don't
2: think it's going to do a whole lot for you.
1: This situation ain't going away anytime soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin vs. Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.